0: School Counseling friend, welcome to a special episode of the School for School Counselors podcast. We're going to be playing with this a little bit to see how we can best serve you. And so I wanted to pop an extra episode in here between our regularly scheduled episodes that are released on Mondays, just to give you a quick thought about something related to your school counseling work. This won't be an extensive episode by any means. But then again, be forewarned, because once I get started, sometimes it's hard (laughs) for me to stop. In this little mini episode, I want to talk about a mantra that we've had around our school for school counselors world for a long time, and that is reminding ourselves that I am a helper, not a fixer. So, so important to remember in our day-to-day work, and I could have subtitled this, when positive school counseling becomes negative. I think this is a phenomenon in our culture at large, as well as within our universe of school counselors, where we sometimes don't know how to help students in really difficult situations, or maybe we're uncomfortable sitting with them in those moments And we start to really lean toward the side of fixing things, and often that's either through to-do lists or through positive thinking. And we chalk solutions up to those two things and kind of give the impression, whether we intend to or not, that, oh, just do these things and everything will be great. We sometimes neglect to acknowledge that sometimes we're in situations where. Nobody can really fix it for us. Nobody can really be of a lot of help other than providing empathy, support, and compassion. We also tend to not really talk with students a lot about experiencing things like anger and sadness and all of these other so-called negative emotions in our lives, which are actually very necessary. our human experience. Experiencing and accepting these negative emotions are vital to our mental health. If we continue pushing them down and not acknowledging them, eventually they're going to come back up and it's not going to be in a great way. These emotions also help aid in our survival and we've got to help students recognize that there will always be setbacks and conflicts in their life. Life is rarely smooth sailing when everything happens just the way you want it to, and everyone around you is completely happy to be compliant to your wants, needs, and beliefs. That's just not the real world. And while we do a good job of teaching students about identifying and recognizing their emotions and about utilizing coping skills, Sometimes we don't do a great job with the rest. We fall into this easy trap of wanting to fix things for students, of wanting to help them with their issues, and so we start to drift toward these hedonic approaches where we're seeking to help students find pleasure and enjoyment in most aspects of their existence. We are seeking to give them the tools to be able to enjoy their experiences, to cope and adapt and feel like everything is great instead of perhaps some eudaimonic approaches, which focus on experiencing meaning and purpose in these setbacks, in these negative emotions to garner better professional growth, to really understand ourselves. And I know I'm getting way down in the weeds with this, but this is an important concept. A study by Brett Ford and team in 2017, one we will link to in our show notes, had a really powerful quote in there that says, The ways in which individuals approach their mental experiences, accepting them or judging them, has power to shape individuals' day-to-day lives with possible cumulative effects for longer-term psychological outcomes. Basically, what we're talking about is if we can really understand these experiences, if we can use them for personal growth, if we can acknowledge that we often have these so-called negative emotions and that they're necessary in life, that it's part of our existence, we're going to see better long-term psychological outcomes. When we can practice habitual acceptance, this is sort of a component of mindfulness, but it has since started to pull away into kind of its own unique category. When we can, though, habitually accept these negative experiences or help our students to accept them, doesn't mean they have to condone them or agree with them. Let me be very clear on that. But if we can just accept that they happen, we are going to see better mental health, fewer mood disorders, fewer anxiety symptoms, less likelihood of rumination which often leads to this spiral of negative emotions, right? We have students that just cannot come off the thought of this is so unfair, I'm so angry, I hate this, that they just kind of spiral into this uncontrollable wave of negative emotion. And students who can practice habitual acceptance are less likely to experience negative meta-emotional reactions you ever heard of a meta-emotional reaction? (laughs) Uh, It's not something we hear people talking about a lot, but that's when, for instance, you feel really guilty for being angry about something. Those are dangerous places to be, right? And so if we can really kind of focus on habitual acceptance instead of trying to fix things all the time, we're going to see better outcomes, not only for our students but also for ourselves. When we can't do that, we start to see things like those rumination cycles, those spirals of negative emotions. We also see dream rebounds. Have you ever experienced this? Where you just kind of stuff something down, you don't acknowledge it, you don't work through it, and it rebounds itself into your dreams and kind of takes you by surprise, throws you off center a little bit. That's what happens when you deny or you suppress negative emotions. So what can we do with students? What can we do to help them without trying to fix them? What can we do without providing them with these to-do lists of things? Practice your coping skills. Use your I statements. Do this and do that, which just as an aside is where most of your small group curriculums you're seeing my air quotes right now if you're watching me tend to gravitate toward right a laundry list of things to be accomplished what if instead we helped provide students with a mindful orientation with the understanding that thoughts and feelings come and go just like a wave in the ocean just like a boat floating down a stream thoughts and feelings come thoughts and feelings go and teaching them to be really mindfully aware of those without having to sit and wallow in them teaching students what to do if those feelings become overwhelming if these negative emotions anger sadness guilt whatever they are when they become too much what kinds of coping skills can they meaningfully apply? What counseling specific skills can we utilize? So often we are quick to print out a worksheet or something like that or a plan of some sort and dump it in the laps of these students and we haven't taken the time to really think through whether or not this approach is appropriate for this particular student. We got to be aware of that. And we can also teach students to appreciate all feelings, all of them, to not immediately start to push these negative feelings away, but really teach them how to handle them, deal with them, and even though they don't feel great in the moment, understand that there are still some positive consequences to them. That's super, super powerful. I think it's why I have a really hard time with a lot of these super prescriptive approaches that we're seeing in our world right now. And I'll give you my own personal rule of thumb. If you could print it off and hand it to a reasonably seasoned teacher and they could implement it in the classroom without your help, that's not school counseling. I'm just going to be upfront and say it. That's why we see a lot of social-emotional specialists and SEL teachers and those kinds of folks infiltrating our campuses because we have this underlying assumption that all school counseling is, is printing off these dang worksheets and facilitating these small groups. That's not true. But the more we do this kind of stuff, the more we're undermining our own careers. Just personal opinion. You may or may not agree with me, But that's definitely how I feel. I will say that when we're looking at small group interventions, we're looking at these printable curriculums. And you hear the tone of my voice when I say that, because to me, a curriculum has been empirically validated somehow. It's been written by a team of folks who have extreme authority within their field. It's crowdsourced for best practice, right? A lot of the stuff that's being called curriculum doesn't meet those guidelines. That's a whole other conversation. But as we're looking at these things, the small group curriculums are a little bit better about facilitating some conversation, about providing experiences that make students really reflect on their experiences. Not so great about embracing some of these negative feelings. We tend to gloss over those and really focus on how to get rid of them fast, right? Right. But then when you get into the realm of individual counseling, it gets even more concerning. And I'm talking mostly with regard to like teachers pay teachers resources. I've been harping on them a lot and I'm not a hater. There are some resources there that I use. There are some counselor authors there that I greatly respect. But there is also a subset in the internet world led by one person that comes to mind in particular who is convincing educators that they're gonna be able to hop on teachers, pay teachers and get rich quick. Here are these 10 easy steps to doing it. And y'all, I'm telling you right now, not only is that highly improbable in this day and age, but they're also not turning out quality resources. They're just turning things out as quickly as they can in order to turn a profit. I'm just gonna call it like I see it. Not all. Not all authors, but a lot of them. That's their goal. When we look at individual session materials on a platform like that, we're seeing a lot of surface-level solutions. We're seeing a lot of flowcharts of approaches. Here's these five easy sessions. Here are the questions you should ask in all of these sessions. Y'all, that's not good counseling. You know that. You know if you showed up with a note card of the questions you needed to ask in a counseling session. Nine times out of 10, it's not going to be helpful to that person because we have to be able to listen to their experiences. We have to be able to empathize with where they are in their reality, and we have to be able to adjust to that. So five easy questions for five sessions is not going to be helpful. There's no room to dive in there. In the individual counseling realm, you also see a whole lot of assessment, a whole lot of data aids and notes aids. I even saw one that said intake notes for school counselors. And if you've been following me for any amount of time, you know what a terrible idea that is. But other than that, there's not a lot of resources for individual counseling. Why is that? Because it's a lot easier to turn out a worksheet than it is to talk about the nuance of negative emotions, identifying them, how to sit with the student when they're in a situation they have no control over, and they're so damn angry about it, they can't see straight. That's the hard part of our work. That's the part of our work that we couldn't call in the social studies teacher to do. That's the real counseling. And as part of our real counseling, we have to be able to help students understand That sometimes situations necessitate negative emotions, and that's okay. Or as one of my students recently put it, just because I'm in the red zone doesn't mean I'm a bad kid. Isn't it sad that we've even led students to believe that? So be careful of how you're approaching negative emotions. Be careful with how you are identifying those for students and what you're teaching them to do about them. Don't give them these flip responses for just do this thing and it should fix it. Because if it doesn't, they're going to feel like they have failed. And that's not a good place to put these students who we love so much. All right. This is something near and dear to my heart. Please just be mindful of this as you're working with students. Don't get paranoid about it. Don't worry about it. But just try to be aware of how you're presenting negative emotions. It could make all the difference in your school counseling efforts. All right. I hope you have the best weekend ahead. I hope it's a wonderful, rejuvenating, restful, productive weekend for you. And I look forward to visiting with you again on the next episode of the School for School Counselors podcast. So until then, I hope you have the best weekend. Take care.